Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. What is going on everybody and welcome to the Monday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I am your host, Josh Harris. We have entered the last week of the regular season. This feels like the slowest fastest or the fastest slowest season. Like, it doesn't feel like the season has been very long, but at the same time, we're already in April, middle of April, and it's the last week of the regular season. Joining me as always, Slim Cliffy. How was your weekend? See any good movies? Uh... I didn't go to any movies, unfortunately. I, I wanted to go see the new Super Mario. I'm going to get to that sometime this week. But what I did do Saturday night was I watched three Mission Impossible movies in a row. And I got to say, that Tom Cruise, that guy, chef's kiss, that guy knows how to make an action movie. <laughs> and uh, that's how I spent about eight hours of my Saturday night. But um, no, pretty good weekend, fun weekend, you know, Certainly the Masters kind of lived up to um, its typical billing with, uh, let's say, some tree problems uh, occurring off the course. But uh, between the Masters, there's a lot of great esports this weekend. I know, you know, this isn't a big esports crowd typically, but there's a lot of good esports over the weekend as well. Um, And the weather's just getting nice. I know a lot of people go by Fahrenheit here, but up here it's supposed to be like between 55 and 70 Fahrenheit all week. I'm really looking forward to just getting out of out of winter and uh, getting the spring and summer underway. Yeah, it's going to be in the low 80s here this week. Which Mission Impossible did you see? I have a I have a favorite. I just I don't know which ones you watched. I, I did I did three the, the three newer ones. So I did Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout. Um, just just incredible stuff from our guy Tom Cruise there. <laughs> I can't because I, I can't wait for the new because I think there's a new one this summer, right? Um, I can't wait. My favorite is the third one with Philip Seymour Hoffman as the bad guy. Yeah, that was the last one they did right before they started the the new batch um, yeah. of movies, and it's really really good. Like basically all of them are excellent except for the second one. Yeah, the one where you go, I think they go to Australia or whatever it is. But other than that, just 
and just an unbelievable franchise and uh, really excited for the rest of it. But I'm also excited for just this week of NHL. Um, I know it can get frustrating with all the line changes and rookies coming in and college players and all that. But I also think that provides a pretty good opportunity for people that are paying attention and things like late swap and, you know, uh, moving around your some lineups at, you know, at warmups, depending on who's in, who's out, who's injured, who's resting and all that. So um, I, it can be frustrating, but I also think it provides a pretty good opportunity. Like I said, for, if you're paying uh, close attention to the news. Yeah. And Saturday night, the GPPs were atrocious, but you know, they're still not great today, but there's still a lot of money to be won. No one will sneeze at, you know, the top prizes here tonight. Let's get into the slate before we do make sure to smash that like button. Make sure to hit that subscribe reel. We are sponsored by Ben Five. We'll have a nice deal for you later in the show, but make sure to sign up for the Stochastic Hall of Fame by changing your avatar on DraftKings and FanDuel. By going to stochastic.com backslash avatar, place in the top three of a contest with over 5K contestants, tweet the win to at stochastichof account on Twitter, or you can email us with your screenshot. You will win a free month Stochastic Plus Platinum, which is a $120 value, and it gets you access to every tool on the site for all the sports. So let's get into this slate, shall we? We have the Dallas Stars with a 3.4 total heading into Detroit. The Red Wings have a 2.6. Jake Ottinger and Billy Huso are confirmed now. Still kind of a big game for the Stars. That division is still up for grabs with the Avs, although it's kind of slipping away from the Wild. I think they're kind of in their third spot, and that's why they're resting a bunch of players, and we'll get to that later. But the Stars are still alive for the division. So I think, you know, they have something to play for. This is a good power play spot. The top guys here not coming in with a ton of ownership. The depth coming in with almost no ownership probably because there is a little bit of a depressed total. I mean, 3.4 road total is really high, but for the Stars, they've been up, you know, 3.7 at times. And you have some pretty other expensive firepower in the slate, the Leafs, the Panthers, you know, the Rangers have a 3.7. The Hurricanes have a 3.6 on the road. The Jets have a 4, The um, you know, and the Kraken have a 4. So I guess that's kind of why the stars are going over a little overlooked here. But if if you're going to give me four or five percent on the Dallas top line, fully correlated in a good power play matchup, I'm interested. Yeah, I am interested in Dallas as well. One thing that you and I have talked about a lot with this Dallas team, Boston, and some other spots is ice time and how the ice time is allocated, especially with these teams, you know, getting to the final week of the regular season. And I've noticed. One thing that that Dallas had been doing has been doing lately is they're still playing their top line. Like I was looking at Jason Robertson's ice times over his last half dozen games. There are some games where he's only played like 15 to 16 minutes. Those are games at home against Nashville and Philadelphia where they won by I think it was a 4-1 margin and a 5-1 margin. And then there's a game where he didn't play a ton against Chicago and it was another, you know, multi-goal win. It's like the games where he's typically playing, he's still playing 20 minutes. It's the games that are close. So it, it's kind of the same thing Boston had been doing. It's where, you know, Bergeron and Martian weren't getting a lot of ice time in certain games, but they're typically games where Boston was, you know, ahead like 4 nothing or whatever. 
it's pretty much the same thing with Dallas is, you know, if Dallas can get out to like a three, nothing lead through the first half of the game here tonight, we might see hints and Robertson and those guys only play 16 minutes or something like that. You know, if this is a three, two game after the second period, they, they could play up to 20 minutes. So I'm still, you know, still interested in playing Dallas. As you said, there's not a lot of ownership coming in on them. Um, under 5% uh, total ownership. Uh, I'll bring up top stacks to a real, uh, real quick. They are the top leverage line um, on DraftKings on the slate here tonight. Um, over on FanDuel, even more leverage because they are slightly more expensive, relatively speaking, to the different salary cap structure over there on FanDuel. So I'm with you in on Dallas one, not only because there's not a lot of ownership, but because in Detroit's last game, they used Andrew Kopp's line in a shutdown role. Now, that's something they've been kind of flip-flopping back and forth this season between Larkin and Kopp. Um, but Larkin's line with Lucas Raymond, you know, they had stabilized a little bit, but the defensive numbers still aren't good. 2.8 expected goals against since the trade deadline. Um, it's only been good goaltending behind them. That's kind of saved them. So in that matchup, um, I think, think Dallas one is they're not my favorite line on the slate, but they're certainly in the mix for a, a priority stack here tonight. Question is what to do with the rest of the Dallas lines. Um, the Donoff, Ben and Johnston, like 15,300 on DraftKings. That's kind of expensive. Like I know it's, it's about where they have been and it's not too extreme, but you know, the Carolina top line is only $500 more expensive. Um, you know, there's a Winnipeg line that's, you know, relatively the same price. There's a line in Calgary that's about the same price. Like, I just think there are other spots you can go for a secondary stack, especially where we have 20 teams playing today. Like, this isn't a, a, a six-game slate. This is a 10-game slate. So, I think it's Dallas 1 or bust for me. I'm not super interested in the Detroit side. Um, that Detroit top line is starting to get fairly expensive. They're over 18K now. And Dallas has one of the best penalty kills in the league and has pretty much all season long. And I don't trust this Detroit top line at 18,500 to get there pretty much all at five on five. So I think for me, it's Dallas one or nothing else in this game. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. Uh, my biggest fight in this game is fighting my internet right now. I don't know what's going on. I've been trying a couple things. If I am freezing up, I'm sorry. Sorry, I am working on it here. Uh, hopefully, it'll get better in the show. Let's move on to the next one here. The Toronto Maple Leafs with a 3.2 total heading into Florida. The Panthers have a 3.7 total. Um, Ilya Samsonov, probable. Alex Leone, the greatest to ever do it, is confirmed. The Leafs are pretty much locked into uh, their home matchup with Tampa now. I don't think Tampa can catch them. Ryan O'Reilly did make his return over the weekend, and he does slot in on power play one on that second line with Nylander and Tavares. Now, there isn't much ownership on the Leafs here, and I almost – I don't want to say prefer the Leafs, but, like, I like – I really do like both sides here. Uh, the one thing, you know, like we talk about the Panthers' power play stack, this and that, the Leafs have a pretty good penalty kill. So I think I would stick to even strength stacking the Panthers, but, you know, low, lower ownership on the Leafs, I'm interested in them. Yeah, I – okay. So the Florida top line doesn't have a very big sample 
as is the Verhage Duclair Barkov line. Um, you know, certainly Barkov and Duclair have played quite a bit this year when uh, you know, once Duclair came back from injury. Certainly Barkov and Verhage have played a lot together. It's just that three-man unit haven't. As a three-man unit, only 55, less than 55 minutes together. Defensive metrics are bad, like flat out bad. But you know, in Barkov's minutes with Duclair and in Barkov's minutes with Verhage separate from each other. They're excellent. So I got to think it's just kind of a small sample thing that's making their defensive metrics look this bad um, because otherwise they're excellent. And for me, that's a problem for Toronto's top line because Austin Matthews is probably going to be going into that bark off line. And that makes a pretty bad matchup for them. Not only that, but Matthews being back with Bunting and Marner, like it, it has been kind of a long season, but we have to remember back to what was it? November. The, like this, this was the line Toronto had for the first six weeks of the season, something like that. And they had to get away from it because they were so bad. Uh, not, not awful in a general sense, but certainly awful for an Austin Matthews top line in this, in this Toronto era. Um, and since they've been put back together over the last couple months, not a big sample, 3.1 expected goals for 2.4 expected goals against for 60 minutes. It's not really that good for an Austin Matthews line with Mitch Marner on it. Like there's still something going on there that they're not creating a ton of offense. Now they're shooting over 16%. So they're actually scoring goals, but you certainly can't expect them to shoot anywhere as close to 16%. You know, even 10 to 11% would be a pretty good season. So um, they're obviously just kind of riding percentages and it, it's tough to make me want to stack them in what's a pretty bad five on five matchup when they haven't been playing particularly well, either in this recent stretch or earlier in the season. Like, I don't know why they took William Nylander off that line, but uh, you know, here we are. So I'm out on Toronto one, Toronto two, like Tavares and Ron O'Reilly did play together once in the immediate aftermath of that trade when Ron O'Reilly first came over and they did have really good offensive numbers in their sample together, 3.7 expected goals for per 60 minutes and 85 minutes together. So um, I do have some interest in that Toronto second line, um, the Tavares, Nylander, O'Reilly line. Now, Nylander's on the second power play unit now, it looks like, with O'Reilly taking his spot on the top unit. So, you know, you I think you can leave Nylander off and, you know, make it a power play stack because Florida is one of the most penalized teams in the league. And Ron O'Reilly is a lot cheaper than uh, William Nylander, so he saves some money off the power play stack. And Eric Gustafson's running the top power play unit. He's cheaper than Morgan Riley. So you can actually make a pretty cheap Toronto power play stack here, um, you know, using Gustafson and using Ron O'Reilly. So I like the Toronto power play guys in this matchup. Um, On the Florida side, it would probably be just going back to our guys on Florida too. Um, but I think on the Florida side, I'm more interested in one-offs than outright stacking anything. Just because, like you said, Toronto typically has a good penalty kill. They don't take a lot of penalties. Um, I, I think I'd be more interested in a one-off Barkov, in a one-off Kachuk or something like that than I would be in full stacking anything on the Florida side. Yeah, for seven total, like it's kind of tricky, but, you know, there are options here. So on to the next one. 
the Buffalo Sabres with a 2.9 total heading into New York. The Rangers have a 3.7 total. Devin Levi and Igor Shesterkin are confirmed. Nice that Devin Levi is not min-priced, so you just don't have to auto-click him in. Looks like Casey Middlestad going to stick up on that top line with Tuck and Skinner. Tage Thompson with Dylan Cousins and Jordan Greenway. Rangers status quo. Um, this is an interesting one because the Rangers have a pretty big total here. They're not getting a ton of ownership. They're still live for the division, although the odds of them winning division are very small. The bigger fight, I think, is to get home ice in the first round, whether that be against the Devils or the Hurricanes. No Rangers line really above 3% here. Buffalo not very good defensively, so I I, I think you, you kind of got to pick your poison here. Yeah, um, there's a I think there's a lot to play on both sides here. I want to start on the Buffalo side. Um, middle stats on the top line with Tuck and Skinner. We should note with middle stat there they do have a reasonable sample to work with. They're up to 65 minutes, um, 2.8 expected goals, four per 60, um, 2.5 against in those 65 minutes together. Um, the one thing with Casey Middlestad is his playmaking has really come along. Like he wasn't a guy that I was particularly high on in any regard for, for DFS this year. And I have to say like at the very least he's shown, he's improved his playmaking skills quite a bit. Um, there are things like scoring chance, uh, assists, like assists on a teammate scoring chance, um, you know, high danger passes, those types of things. You know, Casey Middlestat's done exceptionally well this year, and it kind of shows in his assist totals. Um, he has had a lot of assists this season. Um, but that's basically it is like he's based, he's kind of like Michael Grandland, which I it might seem like a slap in the face considering how we've talked about Michael Grandland over the last month. But um, considering where Casey Middlestat was as a player this time last year, just being at that level of playmaking is a big improvement for him. I'm still not super um, stoked about that line, though. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung. More wow than ever. Um, what made that line dangerous was so dangerous was the dual nature threat of all the players. You know, Skinner, Jeff Skinner is a good shooter and passer. Tage Thompson, good uh, playmaker and shooter. Alex Tuck, same thing. Casey Middlestat's not a good shooter. He can score. He's not a good shooter. Um, that's what's just kind of holding me back a little bit here. Um, I still think they're fine to play. 
I'm not super excited about playing a Skinner Middlestat Tuck top line, but where they don't have much ownership, um, I think they're certainly fine to play. The second line is really interesting to me because there's no sample here. Like Cousins and Thompson haven't played much this year. Obviously, Greenway just came over at the deadline. Um, and Thompson, he must be playing hurt because he, you know, he's missed a couple of games over the last uh, few weeks. They've limited his ice time a little bit. They've moved him down to the second line. He's under three shots per game over his last 16 games. Whereas before that, he was up at about four shots per game. So he's down nearly a full shot per game over the last six weeks. So there's clearly something going on there. But, you know, Cousins is one of those dual threat guys, as is Thompson. And I think Greenway, you know, Jordan Greenway, you look at his time in Minnesota, he was only shooting 2%. Like, you know, if he's shooting 10%, I got to think Greenway might still be in Minnesota. Um, he's seen a shooting percentage rebound. He's good at getting to the net and creating havoc across the crease. I don't mind that Buffalo two line a little bit, Um, especially where you get Thompson and Cousins on the top power play unit. They're not super expensive and there's no ownership here. I think if anything, it'd be Buffalo two, but I'm not super excited about playing the Sabres here. Uh, For me, it's uh, more about the Ranger side. And for me, it's more about that Chris Kreider, Patrick Kane duo because Kreider and Kane have actually played pretty well together since Kane got there. Um, Kane and Kreider played 125 minutes together, 3.2 expected goals for 3.9 actual goals for shooting about 13%. They even have good defensive metrics in, in there as well. Um, the new power play units, they're all in the top power play together. So I, I don't know. I think that's the Banjad Crowder Kane line is one of those under owned lines that I'm kind of interested in here tonight. Buffalo's not a good defensive team and they have a bad penalty kill. I know the Rangers are spreading around the ice time and that is a problem. But with all three guys on the top power play unit now, I do have quite a bit of interest in that Rangers top line. I think the kid line is a nice filler here tonight. Heedle, Lafreniere, and Kako. They've been playing very, very well for basically like two months now. It's just, I there's no Edmonton and there's no Colorado. There's none of those like super expensive high-end stacks where you need a $10,000 secondary stack or $11,000 secondary stack, sorry. So that'd be the only reason why I don't have a lot of interest in them. But I think the kid line is in play here, um, at least some sort of two-man off of it. You're still muted, eh? Still muted. Um, I was saying I, I never really flack the kids' line, even if there is a really expensive line. I'll pluck like Kako and Lafreniere because they're like six thousand between them, and then go from there. But yeah, I think there's a giant need to go down there. I'm in agreement with you. Saban and Jad Kreider Kane is my favorite line in this game. Carolina Hurricanes with a 3.6 total heading into Ottawa. The Senators have a 2.8 total. Freddie Anderson is probable. Mads Sogard is confirmed. I I don't know, man. Carolina needs this game. I do have some interest in the Carolina top line here. They're pretty cheap. Um, it's a good matchup. 
I just I just never like playing double digit own Carolina lines. It always feels like a trap to me. And then on the flip side, like if you want to get to some Carolina or some Ottawa top line in MME, that's fine. But going against Carolina is just a miserable experience. Yeah, and what I'll also mention is we're not a hundred percent that these are going to be the Carolina lines like Aho, Terabina, Puliyarvi. That's what we have. They didn't have an official morning skate today. And these were their lines last game, and they lost in Buffalo. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some new line combinations coming from Carolina. The Carolina top line with Puliyarvi is kind of interesting because the knock against Puliyarvi is not his ability to create shots either for himself or for teammates or to prevent those of the opposition. His problem are turning the shots into goals. And that's, those are two different things. Being able to generate a shot and being able to generate a goal are not the same thing, certainly not at the NHL level. And Puliarvi, for as good as he is generating and preventing, turning those shots into goals has been a problem basically his entire career. Um, he has had fits and spurts where he scored well uh, back in Edmonton, but you know there is a reason why they got rid of him. Now, I'm not saying it was all his fault, or certainly not. Um, all I'm saying is that if he was shooting 14% regularly, he would probably still be in an Edmonton Oilers uniform. And that's why I'm kind of not super excited on the Carolina top line, even though they're generating a lot. Like Aho and Pugliarvi, are only at about 50 minutes together since Puliarvi got there, but they're at 4.2 expected goals for for 60 minutes, which doesn't really shock me when you consider it's Jesse Puliarvi playing with Sebastian Ajo in a Carolina Hurricane system. Problem is, is that they're only scoring 1.3 goals per 60 minutes um, because they just can't finish. And like we've seen with Los Angeles too with Trevor Moore, like there are players that struggle to finish and that struggle at helping their teammates finish. That doesn't mean it's going to happen every game. Like if Puliarvi plays with Sebastian Ajo for 82 games, maybe they struggle to finish for those 82 games, but there are still going to be some games in there where they just, you know, beat the brains out of the opponent because you generate so much volume. All it takes is the opposing goalie to have one bad game and you score like four goals. So that would be the reason for playing Carolina one, but they're coming in at triple their top two percentage. Like you said, they're coming in with double digit ownership. Uh, we have them at 3.7% top two stack, 10.8% ownership. It just it just seems like the chalky Nashville spots that we'd always talk about not playing, right? And that's just kind of what's keeping me away from Carolina. I don't have a particular issue with playing either the Carolina first or second line here tonight. I just think that they're coming in with way too much ownership for um, for what the upside is if in 82 games in this particular matchup. That's all I'm seeing. On the Ottawa side, I just don't have a terrible amount of interest. Like, I know Ottawa, one's not coming in with much ownership, and that would be one reason to play them. It's kind of been that Dallas one role. But I just – I can't get excited about full-on stacking against Carolina. It's still – they're still an elite defensive team with an elite penalty kill. I can get behind like a one-off Tim Stutzler or a one-off Brady Kachuk or a one-off Drake Batherson, something along those lines. I'm just three-man stacking a forward line against Carolina is just not something I can do. So I honestly don't think we're stacking anything out of this game. Yeah, and I, I see the Ottawa second line coming in with higher ownership, which is crazy because as, ba- as 
bad as Jesper Kokniemi is offensively, and he's actually gotten better, he, he's been insane defensively. So, like, I have no interest in the second line. If anything, it would be the first line in MME. Yeah. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we are sponsored by Bet365, and the best way to make money from the books is take advantage of great promo offers when they become available. And we have a great one from Bet365. Click the link in the below. Click the link below to take advantage. As always, uh, you bet one dollar, you get two hundred dollar in bonus bets at Bet365. All you have to do is click the link in the description, sign up, deposit. The minimum is ten dollars. Um, but if you can bet $1 and you'll get $200 in bonus bets, bonus bets, winnings are added to bonus bets, balance and the bonus bet wager excluded from returns, terms and conditions apply. And if you or anyone else, you know, has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's move on to the next one here. New York Islanders with a 3.1 total heading into Washington. The Capitals have a 2.4 total. Ilya Sorokin, Darcy Kemper are confirmed. Uh, Alex Ovechkin is out. TJ Oshie done for the year. Shell, like the Capitals team is a shell of their former selves. They're pretty visibly tanking um, to be nice here. I have some interest in the Islanders lines here. I think Nelson Palmieri Engvall would be my go-to. They're not getting a ton of ownership, but don't mind going to Horvat Lee here either. And I see about 4% on the Washington Capitals top line. Like I know Sorokin isn't as good on the road as they are at home, but the Capitals have a 2.4 total. They're no Ovechkin. Their power play is bad without Ovechkin. There was, wasn't great with Ovechkin. So like, I just have no interest in the Capitals. Uh, yeah, I'm not playing any Washington here tonight. Um, they're not even coming in with like that low of ownership, right? <laughs> like their owners, their expected ownership is still nearly double the top two stacks. So I, I just, you can't even say there's good leverage here tonight. So negative leverage without Ovechkin against Delia Sorokin at this point of the season with the way Washington's been playing for a while now. I just, I can't get there. Like, again, this is one of those spots where if you want to one-off somebody like one-off Tom Wilson or whatever, I'm not going to say no, but it's, again, I just can't get on board with full stacking anything here. Um, With the Islanders, I think I'm with you. I'm not super excited about the top line. Now, I should say that Horvat-Lee-Holmstrom line has been pretty good. 3.8 3.8 expected goals for one and a half against per 60 minutes in 105 minutes together. Um, they're not finishing, which is a problem, shooting 4.3%. It's kind of been a problem basically since Bo Horvat got there and Matthew Barzal got injured, right? It's, it's, there aren't really good playmakers elsewhere, elsewhere in the lineup that can go and play on that line. That's just kind of what's, um, keeping me away from that Islanders top line. Not only that, but they're using the, the caps are again using Nick Dowd in that shutdown role. And, you know, it as bad as Washington has been, Nick Dowd is still a pretty good shutdown center. So I'd want to avoid that and go to that Islanders second line with Palmieri, Nelson, and Engvall. Like they've been really, really good as well. They're up over 120 minutes together since Engvall got there. Three and a half expected goals for per 60 at five on five. That's about 40% better than the league average. 2.3 expected goals against. That's below league average. So they've been really, really good. And they're actually finishing. So 
um, six and a half goals per 60 minutes, five on five. Now they're shooting way too high. The thing is, is if you take, still knock off one third of their shooting percentage to bring it in, you know, into a normal range, they're still scoring over four goals per 60 minutes because they're generating so much offense. Um, they're not coming in with that much ownership either. That Islander second line of Nelson Palmieri and Engvall, three to 4%. Like, they're coming in with less ownership than the Washington top line. And I would just rather flat out play them than the Washington top line. And if I can get them at a lower ownership, perfect. So Nelson Palmieri and Engvall for me uh, from the Islander side, I don't mind them as a fillery type stack here tonight. Any Anytime I can bash the Leafs, I'm going to. So let me just take a minute here because Nelson Palmieri and Parisi, that line was terrible. Engvall stabilized that line. And the Toronto bottom six since Engvall has left has been – I almost just dropped all that the four-letter words – has been awful. So, like, listen, SpongeBob, socks, Kyle Dubas wearing crazy motherfucker. Oh, see, there it is. You – he he straight up – Ruined his bottom six. Like if they're gonna, if they're, if they're gonna get make a cup run, you need a good bottom six. You need stars, obviously, which they have, but you need a good bottom six as well. So I don't know. I I, I thought it was weird that that O'Reilly came back to the lineup tonight, and they have him right on the second line with John Tavares and William Nylander. I thought for sure he'd be coming back and going into a third line role. Um, I guess we'll see what they decide to do when playoffs actually roll around. They're probably still just trying things out right now. Yeah, they're going to need O'Reilly in the bottom six. But they also are better when Tavares is on the wing, so they shouldn't have just traded Engvall for a draft pick. San Jose Shark for, with a 2.4 total heading into Winnipeg. The Jets have a four total. James Reimer and Connor Hellebuck are confirmed. One of Kyle Connor or Nikolai Ehlers is a game-time decision. Who needs gamesmanship for the Sharks? <laughs> Rick Bounis needs gamesmanship for the Sharks. Um, I don't know, man. Um, there's heavy ownership on the Jets here for good reason. I mean, the Sharks are awful. Uh, Jets have a four total. At least it's a seven o'clock start, seven p.m. Eastern start, so you can you'll know who's on the ice, who's not. Like, this is a big game for the Jets. If they lose and Nashville wins, Nashville will be one point behind Winnipeg. Which is insane because Nashville's roster is awful. Even if even if Winnipeg loses and Calgary wins, Calgary is playing Nashville. So if either of those teams win and Winnipeg loses, there's going to be a team one point behind them. This is a huge game for the Jets. I like the top line. Assuming Connor's in, it's just a matter of ownership here. Yeah, um, um, that's those are the two things, right? Like as long as Kyle Connor's playing, and there's a ton of ownership, um, I'm going to bring up our top stacks tool again here, real quick. Uh, the old Minnesota top line um, coming in with the most ownership, and then Winnipeg one next, and then Winnipeg two right after them. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 
into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I wouldn't be surprised if Winnipeg one and Winnipeg two are the two. Are two of the three highest on lines here um, on the slate here tonight. Minnesota's ownership or Minnesota's ownership's going to go down. Winnipeg's going wee. Yeah, I yeah that too. Um, the only thing that keep it in check is some sort of lineup scramble um, because, like you said, we don't know if Ehlers and Connor are both going to be in the lineup here tonight. Um, that Winnipeg top line does have a meaningful sample. They're up. Um, nearly 100 minutes together, 3.4 expected goals for, 3.6 actual goals for, shooting under 11%, so perfectly within range shooting percentage-wise, um, all playing 19 to 21 minutes. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois over three shots per game in his last 10 games, all in the top power play unit. Like, there are a lot of reasons to play the Winnipeg top line. It just... <sighs> Winnipeg just hasn't been good for a while. Like, I like I think it would be kind of shocking for people to see just how bad Winnipeg has been for quite a while now. Um, I'm going back to the All-Star game, which is a 27-game span for the Jets, a third of the season. In that span, only Nashville, Philadelphia, and Chicago have scored less on a per-minute basis than the Winnipeg Jets have. Like Winnipeg over the last third of a season has scored less than San Jose, Anaheim, Columbus, Montreal. They're not doing anything. And the problem is it's not like they're generating a ton of shots either. Um, You know, they're at 30.9 shots per 60 minutes, which is like right in the middle of the league. Like they're not really generating much at five on five or on the power play. And yes, San Jose's terrible, and they've clearly just pretty much packed it in for the season. So, yes, I do have interest in the Winnipeg top line. And it is a tremendous spot for them. But at the same time, like this team hasn't been playing well for a long time now, for months. And like, do I want to play that top line at 20% ownership in some contests? People are going to have a decision to make. Like I, I am perfectly fine just making a full-on power play stack. Um, you know, Connor, Dubois, Shifley, and Ehlers, assuming they're all in the lineup, just playing all four of them and then moving along. I have no problem doing that. Um, I have no problem leaving off any one of the centers and throwing on Ehlers instead just to make um, some sort of normal stack. I just – I can't 
I'm just not super excited about playing Winnipeg, even though it is a pretty good matchup. They just haven't been playing well for a long time. I, I do have interest in the Winnipeg top line because they have played well together. Um, I'm, I am concerned about ownership. I do think you're going to see them close to 20% in some formats. That's all. That's my only problem. The upside is, is that Winnipeg has been using that Niederreiter line in a shutdown role. I suspect they're going to go out against the Logan Couture line here. Logan Couture's line is the only one that's been anywhere as close to passable defensively over the last month. And even then, since Thomas Bordalo got there, they haven't been that good. So it'll leave Winnipeg one to pretty much run free against the second and third lines from San Jose. And that's another reason to play Winnipeg here. So I really do like Winnipeg one. It's just there. there is going to be a, a ton of ownership on them, and I think you might want to get a little bit different with your lines. On the San Jose side, i got to say, Hurdle and Peterson have actually been generating some offense. Um, three expected goals for per 60 minutes and 85 minutes together. Three and a half actual goals for, you know, Peterson's pretty much regularly playing 19 minutes a game. I don't know if I would just like full stack hurdle the bank Peterson or something like that. But I think Peterson is the type of guy that makes like a pretty decent one-off here tonight. Um, so if anything from the San Jose side, it would be the hurdle line, but I think it would probably just be like a one-off Peterson. And that's about it. I think part of the problem with the jets, there's, there's some problems, but like Ehlers, Obviously not the same player he was before the surgery. Like he's still battling through injuries there. Nor uh, Morrissey was hurt for a little bit, but I think the biggest problem is their coach. Like right before the All Star break, they had Ehlers and Connor together, and they were rotating Dubois and Shifley in there with them, and they were just absolutely electric. And for whatever reason, they went into Montreal after a long homestand where they just torched everybody, and they lost that game in overtime. And since then. That line has never been together again. They put them together for like one game. And now then they traded for Niederreiter and put Niederreiter and Connor on the same line. And they're basically the same type of player. That's not going to work. So I think, you know, Rick Bounis, not exactly the brightest bulb. So I don't know. I'm not an NHL coach. How I was, feel, man? <laughs> what if I was? Yeah, it's Monday. I'd wake up a little early, a little cranky. So. We're working through some stuff. But, yeah, I, I do like the Jets here tonight. Minnesota Wilds with a 3.6 total heading into Chicago. Oh, before we do that, we have a $4.20 super chat uh, from Nate B., better known as Hypnotoad, uh, in our Discord. It says, thanks for all the advice through the year, fellas. Thank you for uh, tuning in and supporting us all year, uh, being in the Discord with us all year, asking questions, keeping us accountable yelling at people uh the usual <laughs> thank you yeah thanks for the super chat um we, you know we certainly do appreciate it and we certainly do appreciate you uh being in the discord and um keeping us on our toes uh all through the day and just being uh just a guy that we can um just talk to about whether it's hockey or whether it's uh other stuff so thanks for the super chat thanks for being around all season and um let's hope we can finish strong here yeah it's rare for me to find someone else in the restaurant business or like to find like the, the kitchen aspect of the business. So it's, it's always nice to relive those horrors with someone <laughs> who knows them. <laughs> yeah. 
Minnesota Wild with a 3.6 total heading into Chicago. The Blackhawks have a 2.3 total. Philip Gustafsson and Alex DeLock confirmed Minnesota is locked into that third spot in the division. So they left. Zuccarello, Kaprizov, uh, Brodeen, Spurgeon yeah. at home. Yeah. And then they recalled um, your boy. Who is it? Yeah, they called up Marco Rossi and Nick Patan. Yeah, so they're going to be on a line to the third line with Hartman. It's listed third. I guarantee you all those lines are going to play 15 to 17 minutes tonight. The problem is we were talking about that line before the show, and there's no reason to play that cheap of a line tonight. I guess you can one-off one of the guys, but like like you said, I'll let you talk about them, Rossi and uh, Patan or Patton. They played together in the in the minors all season, so you add in Hartman probably better than their other line mate. It's the Blackhawks. You know, if there was Edmonton on the slate, that would be a great filler, but there's just no reason to get that cheap tonight, I don't think. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, you know, maybe if you do a super expensive uh, Florida power play stack or a super expensive Toronto power play stack or something like that, like maybe you can use it because Patan's 2,500 and Rossi's 2,500. Um, on DraftKings. So, you know, that is a super cheap two man. Um, but yeah, like there is no Colorado or Edmonton or anything like that. So, you know, if you're just playing, you know, a Calgary stack and a Ranger stack or something like that, you don't need a, you know, a pair of $2,500 forwards or something like that. That's just kind of the problem here. Um, but yeah, Minnesota did change up their lines. Like they are going to leave, um, Go draw with Boldy and Johansson, it looks like. So that's something. They said it was because Gojo and Boldy have, have chemistry together, but it's oh, like no, no they don't. <laughs> they, you just played them together a lot. That doesn't mean that they have chemistry together. Um, they don't have good numbers together this year. Um, in fact, if you look at, at Boldy's numbers um with Johansson, they're not very good without Joel Erickson Eck there. Um, small sample, only 30 some minutes, but under a 40% shot attempt share, um, 68 shot attempts against per 60 minutes. Like Joel Erickson is a very good player. Boldy has struggled this season. He, like he was struggling before Marcus Johansson got there. Um, even with, even when he was playing with Joel Erickson like it took the three of them together. So I don't have a ton of interest in whatever the Boldy line is going to be because they haven't played that well together this season. And Steel Foligno, Nyquist, like... Oh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, they're a super cheap line. But again, like, why do you? Why would you need to play them, right? And even then, like, you know, not a big sample of those guys playing together either. So then you get to that Patan-Rossi line. Now, for people unfamiliar, Marco Rossi, two years ago was Minnesota's top prospect. And then he got COVID and he missed an entire season because of COVID complications. And when you're a 20 year old missing an entire season of development for health issues, like it's just going to set you back. And they tried playing him in the NHL at the start of the season. He wasn't doing well at all. So they sent him back to the AHL for the rest of the year. And he had a good season. He had 50 points and 51 games in the AHL. Um, like th this is a top prospect for a reason. I just think he really needed a lot of time to get 
that lost time back. Like he, when you just lose a season of development at that age, it's a big setback. And I, I think you see, you're seeing something with Quinton Byfield in Los Angeles is kind of the same thing. It like, it took him months from getting back from that knee injury before he could even get to the NHL in a regular role. Um, so Rossi's in that boat and he's basically playing for a playoff spot right now. Like, um, the beat writers are saying it's probably going to come down to him or Sam Steele as the third line center. Um, so I would expect a good game out of Rossi. Him and Patan did play a lot together in the AHL together. They're the two leading scorers for Minnesota's AHL team. So ostensibly they could play well against a very bad Chicago team. But again, why do you need $2,500 forwards? That's the only thing here. So I, I do have some interest in like a one-off Patan or a one-off Rossi if you need a $2,500 forward. I just don't know why you would need two of them. That's the only thing. So I'm going to be honest here. I don't have a lot of interest in the Minnesota side. Like no cappers off as it as it was, no cappers off was something that that scared me away from Minnesota. Now I had no problem playing them when Boldy Erickson and Johansson were put together, but now Erickson X out too. And so you take out Erickson X, Zuccarello, and Cappers off. Those are basically their top three forwards at each of those positions. You take out Spurgeon and Brodeen, who are their two best defensemen. Like you're taking I, I think the five best players out of this Minnesota lineup at their positions. Um, I just think it's a lot for the wild to overcome and they weren't scoring a lot to begin with outside of the Boldy line. So nothing for me from the Minnesota side, honestly on the Chicago side, I don't have a lot of interest here either. Um, that Taves Jonathan Dickinson line coming in with a little bit too much ownership. You know, if you want to do like a two man, like, Taves and Dickens or Taves and Johnson or something like that. If you want, I think that's fine. One off Tyler Johnson, I think is fine as well. Like I was looking earlier, Tyler Johnson, at least he has 25 shots in his last 10 games. It's not a lot, but it's two and a half shots per game. That's something. So maybe some one-offs or something there, but uh, there isn't a lot that I'm interested in stacking on either side here. Yeah. The thing with Rossi was at the start of the season, he was playing like 10 minutes a night with fourth liners. You know what I mean? So, like, when you when you miss a year of development, would you rather get 10 minutes of fourth-line action or go into the minors all season, play in the top line, you know, get your confidence up? I think the Wild did the right thing here. I think he'll probably, if he is anywhere decent, going to take that spot because Sam Steele is Sam Steele. Yeah, you know I mean? I, it, it seems like it's, it's basically like Marco Rossi, please take this playoff spot from Sam Steele. Like, it feels like that's what they're they're basically seeing here. Yeah. So hopefully he gets it. Um, but yeah, like you said, I don't have too much interest in that Boldy line. You know, Joe Erickson Eck is their best center. You take him off, Boldy's numbers crater. It's not a shock. Nash- <laughs> Somehow this is a giant game. National Predators with a 2.3 total heading into Calgary. The Flames have a 3.2 total. UC Soros, Jacob Markstrom confirmed. I mean, like, it's a huge game for the Predators. They have a 2.3 total. Their lines are just crazy. This this roster is insane. The fact that they're this close to the playoffs says how bad the Western Conference really is. I guess I have a little interest in Novak Evangelista, but not in one to three. Like, the, the Flames are still a good defensive team. It's just Jacob Markstrom. He's been bad, and he's been bad all season, and there's nothing he can do about it. He needs to see a sports psychologist. He needs to go to, you know, get some – hypnosis or he needs to eat more vegetables. I don't know. He's having a bad season. 
so not too much interest on the predator side <sighs> on the flame side it's interesting because like dube to foley and Lindholm are together and i liked when they were together it's just like dube is like a tasmanian devil you just can't watch like it, he'll drive you nuts if you watch him play but i do have some interest in that line i do have some interest in power play stacking now the the thing is like like if, if we're not going to stack against Sorokin, why would we stack against Soros? That's like the question I keep asking myself. So how much interest do I really have in the Flames? I like the Flames, but I don't really want to stack against Soros. Yeah, um, that's kind of the same boat here. It, and then beyond that, um, there are the Flames have three playable lines, right? And that's that that was something that wasn't always true. For them, it was true basically over the first half of the season. Now, how playable um, that early Huberto Cadre line actually was, I think, is up for debate. But they did have three playable lines, um, not so much over the last month or so. But now they're back to that, and that's the other problem, right? Um, you you can make a case for all for the Calgary one, Calgary two, or Calgary three here tonight. Um, like you said. Facing off against UC Saros, really not the, the um, matchup you want. The Nashville penalty kill has also been better over the last month, month or so, month and a half. Um, certainly Saros is part of that, but they're also limiting the shots a lot better than they were earlier in the season. Which was the big problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I do like that Dubé line. I'm with you. Like I, That was a line that I liked earlier this season. They have been good this year. 3.1 expected goals for, 4.1 actual goals for. Elias Lindholm, 31 shots in his last 10 games. That was a big problem for him for most of the season was he wasn't shooting enough. Now he's actually starting to shoot a little bit. Um, Two of those three guys are on the top power play unit. Uh, So I'm perfectly fine um, going to that line. But again, I I kind of agree with you. Like if you're not going to, pick against Sorokin why would you do it against Soros what I will say is like I don't think Washington and Calgary are quite on the same level right now like I think Calgary you know especially without Ovechkin in lineup is, is, is a couple steps ahead of them but you have multiple playable lines that's the only problem I would go to Tafoli Lindholm and Dubé because we have seen them be really good this season in an extended uh, sample there's no matchup concerns um, at five on five to worry about so I don't care what line they go out against on the Nashville side, but I have seen them play well over a big sample. Um, so it's Toffoli, Lindholm, and Dubé for me. I just don't know if there's any one particular line that I'm super excited to play uh, on the Calgary side here. Yeah, Daryl Sutter in my doghouse for DFS. The only line better than uh, Toffoli, Lindholm, and Dubé this season was Toffoli, Lindholm, and Mangiapane. Listen, I can't the, – the, the guys won some cups at least. But, like – Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do think he's a really good coach. I just yeah. don't know if he's the best coach for this particular group of players. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, but that's for a conversation for another day. Yeah. I, I'm too riled up for that. Um, <laughs> I missed a, an ad read. So get access to all of our MLB content, which is projections, ownership, top stacks tool – top pitchers tool, top data tool, the lineup generator, and Discord, and much more. You can get the first nine days for just $9. Click the link in the description below to sign up. 
if that is not working for you, you can go on the site and use promo code PLAYBALL. So make sure to, if you're interested in our MLB stuff, you get nine days for $9, dollar a day. If you're playing even a dollar a night in DFS, that is worth it. So check that out. Click the link in the description below and sign up. Let's get to the last two games here. Seattle Kraken with a 3.9 total. <sighs> Going into Arizona, the Coyotes have a 2.7 total. Philip Grubauer, Carol Vamelka are probable. I... <sighs> Seattle's had these massive totals for the past three weeks now. And their best line, Beneers, McCann, Eberle, are generating at 2.6 expected goals per 60. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I like Carol Vamelka. The the Coyotes' top line, I, I guess it's um, they flip-flopped Boyd and Hayton last game. But if Hayton, Keller, and Schmaltz, they've been pretty good together. So, I don't know. Like, I know the Coyotes are one of the worst teams in the, in the NHL, but they were expected to be, like, an atrocity defensively and they really aren't so like i don't know man like the kraken are a nice team they're just not they're one of those teams that are good offensively they're just not great for dfs no i agree with that i am pretty mad about travis Boyd being on that arizona line because the the numbers with travis Boyd there are just considerably worse than there with barrett hayton and i mean like by a lot um, with Travis Boyd there, they're at 2.1 expected goals for per 60 minutes at five on five. And with Barrett Hayton there, I think they're at 3.1 expected goals. Like they're literally generating 50% more, um, uh, whether expected goals or actual goals with Barrett Hayton there than Travis Boyd. So I'm not sure why they move Barrett Hayton. Maybe it's because they're, they're actually really are trying to start losing some games. Like, whoa, we've been winning way too much here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, easy on the winning boys. And I also think maybe they want to try Hayton in a different spot to see if he can play like on a line with Krause and Michelli next year or something like that. But for DFS for tonight, it kills us. Yep. Like like I said, Boyd's been much worse for that top line than Hayton has been. And it's not a small sample. It's 280 minutes with Travis Boyd there um that's like 25 games worth of ice time so no i'm out on arizona one out on arizona two not much of a sample there like um either they're fine i guess but again it's one of those problems where they're a super cheap line and i don't think you need a super cheap line and if you do need a super cheap line at that price i think there are others that you can go to like the Rangers kid line, like something um, from the Islanders, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Excuse what? me. Oh, pardon me. Um, hopefully I woke everybody up uh, <laughs> in case anybody was dozing off there. So I'm out on the Arizona side here. On the Seattle side, like you, you're right about the top line. What I will say is that the offensive numbers have been getting better and better over the last like five to six weeks than they were earlier in the season, not just by goal scored, but by shots generated and expected goals generated. That's been the difference for the McCann line for me over the last like five to six weeks compared to like the first four months of the season, basically is like they actually are generating a lot of shots. Now it's not just relying on a high shooting percentage. They're at 3.3 expected goals over the last three weeks. Um, you get two out of three guys on the top power play unit. McCann's been generating a lot of shots lately. 
there's no matchup concerns on the Seattle side, whether the top line, second line, or anything. You know, the Seattle McCann line's coming in basically bang on their top two percentage. So I do like that McCann Veneers Everly line tonight. I think that's the line that I like most in this game. If you want to go to one of the cheap guys, like go ahead. But I think it's the McCann Veneers Everly line that I like best. They they have been playing legitimately well and much better of late than they were earlier in this in, in the season. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just like I don't know. I, I find it so hard to full stack that line. I don't know why. I just, you know, if I went off McCann, Everlay gets there. I don't know. Islanders could use Everlay, but that's for another time. Every time I leave Beneers off, he absolutely just slaughters me, but that's my problem, not yours. Vancouver Canucks with a 2.8 total heading into Los Angeles. The Kings have a 3.6 total. Dr. Jemko probable. Junis Corpusal is confirmed. I didn't see Canucks skate before we went on. Are they still – did they skate, and are they still I going with – I yeah, because like last game they had Kuzmenko and and Bouvillier on the fourth line with Sheldon Drees, and the top line was Patterson, Garland, Kraftsoff. Kuzmenko was still on the top power play unit, but like I don't know, man. Like, oh, I guess. <clears throat> sorry, just no. I just saw one. It came ten minutes after we got on the air. Kuzmenko, Patterson, Kraftsoff, and then Miller with his usual line mates. So Garland and Bouvillier still in the bottom six. Pedersen, Kuzmanko, but that is a nice one to keep in the – there I go. I don't know why I just disconnected, but that's a, that's a matchup that – or that's a line that I'd be interested in. There's We're running out of time on the season, but I kind of have interest in the Kings' top line. Kopitar, Kempe, Byfield. I think you can leave Byfield off and go like Kopitar, Kempe, Dowdy or something like that. I mean, Dowdy plays a ton of empty minutes, but um, I'm more on the Kings here. Yeah. um, Vancouver went into Los Angeles like a month ago and the the Pedersen line saw the Byfield, Kempe, Kopitar line. And that Byfield, Kempe, Kopitar line has just been a buzzsaw defensively basically since every game since they've been put together. Um, as people note in our Discord from time to time, the Kings are much better at home um, than they are on the road as well. So Pedersen's probably going to see that Kopitar matchup, and that's going to get me away from Elias Pedersen. I don't mind the JT Miller line here. Who are you going to? I knew it. <laughs> like, Miller, Besser, Di Giuseppe haven't been playing that bad. 2.7 expected goals for 2.2 against. Um, per 60 minutes over the last three weeks, 61% of the shot share. Um, and they're going to be going into a King's second line that's been playing pretty poorly of late. Uh, and I don't mean like just bad for them. I mean, just horrific in general. Their last three weeks with Trevor Moore there, 1.7 expected goals for 2.7 expected goals against. They're just not generating anything. Even if the defensive numbers are worse, they're not awful, but they're not controlling the play, whereas the Vancouver side is. I'm I'm not running out to play Vancouver here. If I was playing 20 lineups tonight, I might have one or two of the Miller line. If anything on the Vancouver side, it would be Miller. But I am with you. I am on the Kings side more. I am on the Kopitar, Kempe, Byfield line more. I might 
uh, uh, leave Byfield off. Like I agree with that and put Arvidsson on or something like that. Um, I honestly think though, this is another game where I'm not super excited to stack either side. If anything, it would be the Kopitar line or the Miller line um, on either side. But I don't think this is going to be a game where I'm going to be stacking uh, either team here in my single entry. Yeah, I agree as well. Coming up after us at 4 o'clock, the Odd Shop on the Odd Shopper channel. It's uh, today's best bets using Odd Shopper's premium tools. Make sure to stay tuned for that if you're interested in the sports betting sides of things on the Odd Shopper channel at 4 p.m. <sighs> Defensemen, goalies. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Like, I, I didn't see who is in for Minnesota. I would imagine they have a bunch of cheap guys now, like John Merrill, Min Price is going to see a minutes bump, et cetera, et cetera. There's probably a good handful of cheap guys tonight. You looking to spend up tonight at all? Um, there are a couple guys on the – like I I know Adam Fox won't project well um, because he doesn't shoot a ton. That Buffalo penalty kill is still atrocious. And, like, Fox is going to play a lot of minutes. Like, I think Fox makes a decent play here tonight. For the expensive guys, it would be, like, him and Brent Burns um, are two guys that I'm pretty high on, like, amongst the expensive defensemen here tonight. Um, I think Ekblad's fine as well, but it's mostly Fox and Burns. In the mid-price range, like, there's not a lot for mid-price guys that I really like here tonight. You know, Mackenzie Wiegar from Calgary for sure. Um, Jacob Slavin from Carolina for sure. Uh, Gustav Forsling from Florida as well. Um, you know, Drew Doughty at his price, I think he's fine. Uh, Neil Pionk as well. Like, Pionk's been getting a lot more minutes of late for Winnipeg. I think he's fine. You know, Vince Dunn. But, like, there's just nobody that I'm super excited to play in that mid-price range. So, I think it's stars and scrubs for me um, on the blue line here tonight. Um, four defensemen. Um, if you need somebody under 3K, I think there's a bunch of guys that are certainly in play. Um, Nick Holden from Ottawa, um, you know, with Hamannick, Chikrin, and, and Shabbat all out, somebody's got to play the minutes. Um, Edmondson from Detroit, uh, Yokoharu from Buffalo, Brendan Dillon from Winnipeg, Matt Benning from San Jose are all guys under 3K that I think are certainly playable here tonight. Um, if you know, three through that three to 4K range on DraftKings, Eric Gustafson certainly for Toronto. Uh, Dante Fabro uh, for Nashville, TJ Brody again for Toronto, Scott Mayfield uh, for the Islanders, um, Essa Lindell uh, for Dallas as well. But um, Artem Zoo, I should mention, um, 3K, um, he might have to block a, a fair number of shots here up against Carolina. So I'll mention Artem Zoo as well. Always down for some Artem Zoo. I'm looking through the goalies here, and anytime I can cherry pick a Rangers stat, I will. And I'm going to be outright here. I am cherry-picking the crap out of this stat. Highest uh, goal saved above, ex above expected in the past two weeks, Igor Shosturkin. Suck on that, Discord. But, no, I do like him tonight, 8,200. Uh, UC Saros, I like uh, Ilya Sorokin. Uh, I don't know. Anyone? Anything else sticking out for you? I mean, yes, yeah, Saros. Obviously, Sorokin, obviously. Samsonov, I think, on the road in Florida um, at 7,600. I think that's fine. It's not, not running out to play him, but I think that's fine. They said, I think it looks like Colin D'Elia might start for Vancouver. He's only 7,100. I guess it's fine. I'd rather Thatcher Demko start. But if D'Elia starts, it might make me 
a little bit more excited to play the Kings. Um, should also mention um, Alex Stalock for Chicago. Like Minnesota is going to sit all their good players. I think Alex Stalock at 7K at home isn't a bad bet tonight for Chicago. You have any interest in the Lion King? <laughs> Not really. Like I said, I think I'd kind of rather play Samson. Like I'd rather play a cheaper Samson off is, is the way I look at it. That's how you know like goalies are just the weirdest creatures on the planet. Like he was the worst goalie in the NHL until his last six games, and now he's the best. Like they are the streakiest, weirdest. I don't even know, man. I mean, but. Phoenix Phoenix Copley was like basically out of the NHL, and he's leading the Los Angeles Kings to the playoffs right now. Like yeah. it's just the way it is. Yeah, goalies, man. Who are you liking for your hat trick pick? Uh, we're going back to our Kraken, and we're going to the top line, and we're going to Jeremy Can. I'm going Cliffy's client tonight. I'm going Brock Nelson. I love it. Oh, 10-game slate, five days left in the season. We're going with uh, road New York Islanders and road Seattle Kraken. Please end the season. Yeah. Twice if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we have two shows left in the season, Thursday or Tuesday and Thursday. Then the playoffs start. Not sure if we're going to have playoff con- content. I think we have a meeting about that this week. Jake? <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> make sure to smash that like button uh, on your way out. And uh, good luck, everybody, tonight. And we'll see you tomorrow. Or, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's tomorrow. Good luck, everyone. <laughs>